As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Poisonese. The episode you're listening to is a special release from our Patreon episode, Deadly Nightcaps. The format is a little different, but we wanted to give you a taster of what we do over on Patreon while we're having our very short seasonal break. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon, you can head over to our Patreon account. The link is in the bio of our social media accounts, or you can pop us a message and ask us questions. It is $5 a month or £4.50 to join Patreon, and for that you get extra episodes every single week as well as some bonus bonus content. This episode was recorded at the beginning of February and is the final installment of Nick's much, much lauded China trilogy. Enjoy! Hello, Poison Patreons! Welcome to another episode of Deadly Nightcaps with me, Sinead. And me, Nick. Bringing you more tales of poisoning cases old and new, all washed down with drinks that make your sailors mutiny. Thank you to all of our lovely, delicious new followers. We hope you're having a lovely week. Well, quite. Yes. February. It's now February. January's over. Where the fuck did February come from? <laughs> How is it here? Why is it here? What's going on? It's very welcome <laughs> to many people. Anyone who foolishly did dry January. It's over, people. It's over. Finally. I don't think those people are listening to this podcast. No, no. This would have been torture for them. <laughs> oh, can you imagine if you're doing dry January and just listening to us getting wrecked every week? Uh, but February, the promise of the new uh, season. The new, exactly the same as it has been for the past month. But it, it, there's more, uh, slightly more greenery. There it's is. getting slightly lighter. It's start of spring, it is. so there are daffodils growing and shooting up everywhere. Not quite, yeah. There are, I've seen have some. Have you? Where? Where have you seen yes. daffodils? You've not seen daffodils. Lies! I have. I have, you know. I, I have. <laughs> is it by the riverbank where that splendid duck lives? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And his little duck greenhouse, he's been cultivating them all summer, oh my God. all winter. So in Canterbury, uh, we have, we there's a famous duck. That lives in Canterbury. This is the Twee Dickensian lifestyle. No, no, no. It's famous now. It's famous now. There's, there's a duck that Sinead saw once. No, it's been um, and it's been on the news, and it is most popular in all of the residents' groups. No, it's a splendid duck. A while ago, I saw it, and I was really pleased when then there was a news article written about it. It's a rare kind of duck that's not supposed to be in Canterbury. <laughs> 
it does make it i am making it sound like some sort of beatrix potter story you are making it sound a lot more exciting than there's a duck on a river it's a green duck but it's a really really green duck what is it a quack there's a duck i don't know it's a fucking duck (laughs) (laughs) this is what happens on the distance walks that me and nick take i'm trying to point out the beauty of nature and you're just going it's a fucking duck it's a beaut- it's a huge green duck. It's lovely. It's it yes. is. Let's I- go with that. Absolutely, the wonder oh. of nature. I wept when I saw it, <laughs> and then I had a drink. Well, I know it's only been thirty seconds, but how did we get onto this subject? I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea what's going on. Well, everyone knows a little bit more about Canterbury. If you've ever come, don't come to see us. Come to see the famous duck, the duck of Canterbury. Um, how are you, Nick? I'm all right. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> oh, it's February. That was it. It's spring and sprung and everything. And ducks roam yeah, the duck free in the street. <laughs> famous February animals, the duck. Yeah. Long associated with the month of February. <laughs> it's wet. They like to come out then. <laughs> sure, move on from ducks. No more ducks. Move on from ducks. Okay. I just really like ducks. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, seeing as it is uh, the 1st of February, dry January is over. Not that we even attempted that. What are you drinking, Nick? I have got a glass of wine. Ooh, it's a wine day, is it? It is a wine day. Well, it's because that's what I was in the house. And I realised my ice wasn't frozen, so I couldn't have a cocktail. And there was like a bottle of wine on the side. I thought, fuck it, I'm drinking that. It's been, one of, it's been one of those days. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not been a good day for you. I mean, which is it's just descended into madness slightly. So, which is good for the show. So, I've got a, I've got a glass of wine, and then I put the rest of the bottle into a decanter. So, I have a decanter of wine <laughs> to top up my glass of wine. And so. So yeah, classy. I'll be asleep halfway through the episode. The duck would be impressed. The du- oh. I borrowed the decanter from the duck, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I now just have a picture of him in this Beatrix Potter kind of setting with him with a little tie and collar on and carrying a suitcase as he came in his travels to Canterbury. Oh, let's write a series of children's books about that duck <laughs> and drinking, apparently. Well, I uh, I am joining you in... Uh, no, I'm not. I've got a very exciting glass of water. Oh, I've got okay. one of those too but it's overshadowed by the decanter of wine. Yeah, I don't have a decanter of wine. I've just got water. Well, you failed then, haven't you, really? I know. I was having one of those, again, every three weeks or so. There's the no no drinking during the week. Got to be healthy for some reason. I felt very fine all the way through during lockdown. You know, everyone gains a few pounds or something. Not that, you know, weight gain matters. But this weekend, for some reason, it felt like all of the lockdown weight suddenly appeared, even though there's been no change. And I just suddenly felt, oh, my God, oh, everything, nothing works on me. My body is broken. So now I'm trying to repair that by sipping water for one evening. Oh, that'll do the trick. Yeah, definitely. Have a leaf of salad. <laughs> it will all be fine. Um, anything or anyone you would like to poison this week? Oh, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> because you've been making a list and checking it twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh god the look on your face <laughs> just despair I can see that look in your eye like oh my god he really has someone in mind <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> hopefully it's not me uh no we're all safe good 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 well shall we talk about poison for a bit <laughs> yeah why not i think it's important that we do you've got a vat of wine i've got a glass of water it's gonna go crazy in here guys i've, I've reached hysteria <laughs> points at the moment so it has god knows what's gonna happen and happy st bridget's day Indeed. Merry Imolk to you. It's wonderful. Welcome, Bridget, into your home. No, I don't want anyone in my home. No, not, <laughs> not especially a random... What, a goddess? No, well, no, she's a saint person. She's, from... a, she's a goddess. She's not a saint. Well, as well as. 
And I don't want a, a random sort of 10th century nun in my house at the moment, to be honest. The show, she can fuck her <laughs> Well, happy St. Bridget's Day, everyone. <laughs> uh, Nick laughed at me yesterday because I was doing a small online course, uh, which I won't go into. But I had to make a... Everyone was making a St. Bridget's cross, which is a very thing of beauty. Much like Nick's... Uh, no, actually not at all like Nick's um, Chris Dingles that we discussed over Christmas. No, much much better Much than better than that. Much it's better. all weaving of reeds and you, t- you, you sort of bend it and twist it and it turns into this beautiful sort of cross shape did it did it did it did it turn into a beautiful cross shape Sinead, no, no 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 <laughs> everyone on the bloody zoom chat was like look i've done it my sister who is in london in the middle of the city found some stuff on the floor and just lifted it up going i hope this is okay and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen i my sticks snapped they splintered. I had to be relegated to paper because the woman on the call just went, why don't you just try it with some strips of paper and see if you get it? Why don't you just draw a picture, Sinead, <laughs> <laughs> while your sticks are on fire in a corner? It's me with a crayon with my tongue sticking out. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, that was, it was great. It was great. Anyway, but enough of such saintly goodness <laughs> and paganism. Uh, let's talk about poison. You got a story for us, Nick? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, one would hope so. Otherwise, it's going to be a very short episode. You know, if it was just us drinking wine and chatting, some people would be here for it. But poison should figure <laughs> at some point. Well, we have. We've got one of those there stories. Yay! So today we are venturing again okay. to one of my favourite places. Uh, one of the places I do love most. Is it in the East? It is. It is in the ah, East. You know, the East. Yes. Russia. Yes, we're going to go to Russia. No, we're not no, going no, to, no, Russia. Don't go to Russia. Somewhere we have been several time on our times on our poisony travels. Okay. We are heading back to China. China! We're heading back to China. You're obsessed. I, I, I love China. Yeah. I do, I do. It shows. It's a lovely place. Yeah. So this is my third Chinese episode. Hooray! All on Patreon. So aren't you lucky, Patreon people? I know. Like the, the main episode, people are getting screwed. Yeah. No China for them. No China for them. <laughs> France. Over the top on France. Oh, We've done. Loads, loads of France. <laughs> the EU. We're trying to forge better ties with them. Um, make Absolutely. up for what's happened. Our own poisony links. Yeah. But we're not going to mainland China, but to the island of Hong Kong. Ooh. Ooh, okay, nice, nice. We've not been there before. I, I've never been there ever. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> this is quite an adventure. So, And also, I mean, because it's one of my episodes, we have to have a slight history lesson as well. Yay! So, history, the entire history of Hong Kong Mm-mm. in five minutes. So, Hong Kong starts out as a small, tiny little collection of fishing villages um, with a population of a few hundred. A very, very small, inconsequential Quaint. Chinese, not bothered about it at all. Fine. But... In 1842, Hmm. um, at the end of the First Opium War, the Chinese are forced to hand over the island to the British in the Treaty of Nanking. They were confused and tired. Yes, I mean, the Opium War is another high point in the history of British imperialism. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's a a good time to be English. (laughs) Yeah, we we gloss over this shit, don't we? (laughs) Oh, yeah. At the the time, so we're looking 1840s, 1800s, um, time, the European demand for Chinese products is huge. So tea, silk, porcelain, all that sort of stuff. Everyone in Europe is desperate to get their hands on these fancy exotic things. But the Chinese, on the other hand, not in the slightest bit interested in anything manufactured in Europe. (laughs) Um, Not bothered whatsoever. (laughs) And with good reason. (laughs) Yeah. They've got everything they need. They're quite self-sufficient. Tea and spice from the Orient. What do we have? Oh, we have boiled meats. (laughs) 
<laughs> and spam. It's one. Have you tried spam, everybody? Do, do you want cotton? We've got lots of lovely cotton. Oh, no, we've got silk. We don't need that. So nothing. Although the only thing they're interested in is big chests of gold and silver coins. Everyone likes gold and silver coins. Yes, they do. So that's what after so this is a huge imbalance in trade and it is of a major concern to the british government and they try and even things out slightly they mm-hmm. think ha, 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 what can we get them to buy that they'll have to buy so what they decide to do is sell them drugs all <laughs> the drugs <laughs> so obviously at the time britain has india as well producing huge quantities of opium in the fields of india so they i know we'll ship all this opium over to china get all the chinese horrendously addicted to this stuff Mm -hmm. and they'll be forced to buy it from us (laughs) and therefore we can trade the opium for tea and porcelain and silk and lovely things yeah um and give them chests of opium rather than shiny baubles you see we act like you know i'm irish obviously but you know we act act like such (laughs) a in there quickly (laughs) but i'll say we as as i mean england yeah we act like such a noble lovely refined people drug dealers of old get the indians working on it they didn't want any part of this but take the drugs for them sell it to the chinese Chinese, i didn't know see i I know nothing about this period of history as this is interesting because you do think of ah the opium dens of the orient and they're all smoking the opium but we've that he gave them the opium oh god exactly entirely foisted upon them by well let's say the brits oh jesus ah trading in the market trading silks and teas and just the english are there drugs crack would you like some crack drugs crack for your children <laughs> we are victorian top hat wearing twirling drug dealers god i mean there's a reason for these stereotypes exactly the, the, the english are all bastards in films there's a reason for that <laughs> <Very> um, <much laughs> <so>. <laughs> We're poisoning. Oh, my God, we poisoned the world with drugs. I did, we did. Unsurprisingly, the Chinese authorities um, are not too happy about this state of affairs. Mm. And they outright reject attempts to legalise the opium trade. Probably a good thing. To tr- now, to try and, and eradicate this scourge, um, an imperial commissioner, Lin Zexu, uh, is orders all the opium that has been stockpiled in warehouses and stuff like that destroyed. Mm-hmm. smash it all throw it in the sea and he stops british ships entering chinese ports mm. now in retaliation the brits launch all-out military campaign oh to force their ships through these blockades and this is the the first opium war <sighs> chinese forces hugely outnumber mm. the european mm. um even there it's, it's a massive country a huge population but the british and European ships are so much more technically, yes. technologically advanced. Chinese are still using wooden junks, cannons that haven't really changed for two, three hundred years, because it's what they've needed. They haven't encountered anything other. The British are going along in their massive ironclad steam-powered <laughs> warships that basically just smash the Chinese ships out of the yeah. way. We've had a lot of practice in um, blowing exactly. ships up a... and, and fighting everyone. Awful lot of practice on this, and the chinese do not stand a chance they are soon forced to surrender Um, and as part of this surrender they are forced to hand over hong kong to the british so that they can establish a trading base on the island oh that's when hong kong came into british that's how the brits get hold of hong kong i knew we did at one point and then and then and then we didn't and then we didn't so that's how the brits get hold of hong kong and it flourishes it is by the 1850s hong kong is firmly established as a major 
trading hub Mm. it is on the doorstep of this massive chinese market uh the gateway to the orient as it were yes huge and it's also it's a it's a port of call for ships going further afield Mm. hong kong is right in the center and it becomes horrendously wealthy by the mid 1850s the island's population has grown to a few hundred random fishing fisher fishermen to over seventy-two thousand people um, now live on this incredibly small island mm. and it is still the most densely populated place mm. in the world um, just the amount of people that they cram into such a tiny <laughs> tiny space yeah so unsurprisingly the chinese population of hong kong and the chinese on the mainland as well are not too happy about how things are working out they hardly see a penny of these fortunes that have been made in trade so there are serious tensions between the, the western and chinese communities uh, this huge disparity breeds huge resentment um, and there are multiple plots and attempts to push out the colonial rulers um, and for the Chinese to reclaim the Hong Kong. Now tensions are exacerbated in the in the English mind by the knowledge that the Chinese also they vastly outnumber the Europeans mm. on the island. Yes. So out of around sort of like 72,000 people on the island about 70,000 of them are Chinese. It's not a situation you want to be in. Does the name Custer ring a bell here at all? <laughs> but then you've also got around about 1,500 Indians. Oh, yeah. Who the 500 Europeans have brought over as oh, God. servants oh. and things like that because they know how the British like things done. Um, <laughs> oh, this is this is not... You would not want to be there so, and being a white person in that Well, that, I mean, you, thing is they, they, they would, though, because the mm. life of absolute, absolute luxury, luxury yeah, yeah, yeah. that they, they were living, they had these Indian servants to deal, to look after them and dote upon their every need and they get to swan about being a powerful westerner and then these seventy thousand chinese people eking out a a moderate or barely a living um doing what they're told by these this ruling elite oh dear so it's it's yes so unsurprisingly resentment is high there's a lot of (laughs) ill feeling in the air and it is in this rather tense environment Mm -hmm. that a plot is hatched to rid Hong Kong once and for all of these invaders. We do enjoy a good plot. Oh, we do like a good plot. Anything with a plot where people are gathered around in a smoky den somewhere. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of of finger pyramid Finger pyramiding. Oh, very nice. I mean, especially, I mean, Chinese... Very long, strokey beards. Oh, very long, pointy beards. Those are very good. And moustaches as well. Long, strokey <laughs> moustaches. Um, but yeah, long, strokey, strokey for the Chinese. Twirly, twirly moustache for the English. Excellent, excellent stereotype action going on. It's, it's great. And the English, I, just, I should point out, bloody hell, the English are awful. When you look back, they just, they just fucking walk into any country. You know, as, as an Irish person, you can say it, and India and China and everywhere else. No, this is mine. I've got a bigger gun than you. Yes. <laughs> I've got bigger guns than you. We have very, very good guns. Oh, God. Pretty much. It is the history of my people. <laughs> <laughs> It's not good. <laughs> so these conspirators are looking for a way to target as many as the of the outsiders as they can at once. Mm-hmm. If they were to target individuals or small groups then they would have swift reprisals yeah and they would be dealt with incredibly quickly so they needed a way to try and get as many people Mm. at the same time as they could and they come up with an incredibly clever plan it's actually incredibly smart okay they they reason 
That is, it is only the Westerners on the island that eat bread. Um, all the Chinese <gasps> eat rice as their, their staple. Rice is their, and if they're making flour for dumplings, it's made out of rice. Yeah, it's made out of rice They do not flour. use... Yeah, they do not use wheat like the Europeans do. No, we'd love our bread. So if this bread supply were somehow tainted, (laughs) it would therefore only affect the foreigners, leaving all the Chinese free to reassert their control of the island. That is genius. That's brilliant. Which is is absolute genius. They really logically thought that through. But also... I, I would say for Chinese people as well. Have you ever tried bread? It's great. It's great. I mean, if they brought it over, I mean, rice is amazing. It's a much healthier diet. It's a better diet. Absolutely leaps and bounds above the European diet. Oh yeah, but toast. But toast. Have they not tried see, the toast? Uh, Put a bit of butter toast? on it, and then they'd be like, "Oh shit, no, this well, isn't going to work." See, this, this is where the Brits also failed because they were so strict and stringent. They did not allow anyone else to have toast. The, oh, like, oh, the no, toast was only for them. Uh, the, it, the toast is the creation of the master race. <laughs> Um, <laughs> only we can eat the toast or it is sacred and, and holy yeah if you've got a limited supply of bread you're not going to share that no not the toast no, no not, the <laughs> not the hot toast. buttered toast not the toast or the crumpets no none for you <laughs> not the crumpet supply they didn't get to the crumpet supply <laughs> Oh, I love this story. <laughs> On the island, there is there's one particular bakery, the Yixing Bakery, run by a Chinese chap called Chong Ao Lum. Oh. It is the most popular bakery on the island and it supplies the majority of uh, the european house um, mm. households and offices and everything stores with their daily yeah. bread it is the go-to place it is unknown if uh chong the the head the owner and the head mm. baker was a willing participant in mm. this conspiracy or whether he was forced into it um, we we do not know. On the one hand, you think, well, he was Chinese, and he probably didn't l- much like being lauded over by a group of He's foreigners. To make group of bread all day that he doesn't eat. Yeah, but on the other hand, he runs the biggest and most popular baker in the island, and is raking True it. True that. Yeah, yeah. And is making a lot of money out of these silly is white gonna, people. Yeah, cut off cut off his income. Ooh. So yeah, so there are arguments for for and against of whether he was willingly involved but he was involved it's not so much cutting off his income because if he's only been able to supply to the british people the english people who were there he knows that as soon as they're finished as soon as they're done with he's got he knows the secret to bread and he can give that to all the chinese people they're gonna love that maybe so yeah there maybe we are. yeah yeah maybe so. he knows that once they try toast <laughs> he'll still be ready on the 15th of january 1857 uh this dastardly plot was put into motion that morning chong adds 10 pounds of a tasteless white powder into his <laughs> usual bread mix bakes his loaves and flees the island with his family <laughs> Um, on board a steamer bound for Macau. Ooh, no, oh, Macau. Very nice, yes. A lot, a lot of gambling going over there. Well, exactly, yes. <laughs> Got to play some cards. Doesn't look suspicious at all, does it? <laughs> I, I can't imagine anyone would notice. He's gone on. He's gone away on business. If he delivered his bread and then ran down the street. Well, I mean, it's, it's, this is a big bakery. He's got staff. He oh, he probably oversees the, the production of the mm. the bread with the his employees. No, no. He was hand-delivering all of it and running and screaming. That was That's how it's working in my head. <laughs> As it's left his left his factory, his bakery, he has got his family, jumped on a boat off to off to Macau. The the plan is actually almost a 
horrifying success. <laughs> Over 400 people fall <gasps> ill with Whoa. nausea, vomiting, stomach pain, dizziness. But the plotters have overlooked two key factors mm-hmm. that is their downfall. The first is that arsenic poisoning requires balance. Too little arsenic and your victim will recover and survive the initial bout. Too much arsenic and the body's natural response is to go and get it out. In their desperation to rid the island of the Europeans, the plotters had added far too much arsenic to the mixture. They had overdone it. They, they, they probably thought, well, the more the better. But what they had done, they had put too much in. Oh. And as soon as this bread had been eaten, it, it reacted to with purge. the stomach. And instantly, everyone was throwing up because it was just too much. The, um, <laughs> there was an article in the, the Morning Post, a uh, local paper, that put it quite poetically the hideous villainy the unparalleled (laughs) treachery of these monsters of china has defeated itself by the very excess of iniquity poisoners had put such an immense amount of arsenic into the dough that the deadly dose acted as an emetic and was discharged from the human stomach What a brilliant! That is it. brilliant. <laughs> the hideous villainy. The hideous villainy. <laughs> the villainy of the more yeah, totally British people writing that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know what? Also, um, might have alerted them to the arsenic. What happens when you use arsenic? Tell me. You have the arsenic alarm. Arsenic alarm. <laughs> arsenic alarm. That is that. Arsenic alarm. The bells sounded across the island. <laughs> Everyone took their bread. Why is it ringing? Why is Why is the bread ringing? <laughs> Sorry. So perhaps, in fact, there were three key factors. Three. Three. Because I have the third. The other factor that put a slight dampener on the whole affair was the fact that the island's Indian population, the European servants, they Mm. also ate bread. Oh, yes. And they were up far earlier than their European masters. Yeah. Um, And they had acted as like an unwitting and very involuntary food tasters for the Westerners. So they had risen and had their breakfast first before the the master was up. They had had their their bread and it had affected them first. And when the the Westerners woke up, it it was quite clear that something was very awry in these households. Oh, that's awful. uh, That all the servants were vomiting everywhere. Um, no not the servants the servants didn't do anything wrong i mean a, a lot of the europeans were also affected those particularly early risers or those who weren't fortunate enough to have a servant yes or the people who didn't let their servants have bread well there is that <laughs> those people whose servants weren't allowed to eat well yeah oh, like bread is kind of a luxury item so it's no dust for you <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't so have th- let them have bread yeah but those who did or maybe those who snuck a few scraps maybe things, so yes absolutely as we've seen yes the servants the servants always suffer the servants they were they have been up hours before probably the ones who went to get the bread from the the bakery or something yeah eating um, had, half had of a, it <laughs> had a crust on the way home and then went back <laughs> soon a notice went out throughout the colony caution the bread is poisoned <laughs> <laughs> that's literally what it says um, antidote powerful mustard emetic and white of eggs white <laughs> nice something to, make yeah, you vomit. Make, make, something to make you vomit yeah and it was signed by harland the surgeon general of the island oh nice it does make him sound like a superhero actually sorry it does. <laughs> harland the surgeon general the surgeon he stalks general. the streets <laughs> <laughs> doling out justice with mustard and egg whites <laughs> 
Well, mustard and egg whites. That would make you. That would. It's, that it's would gonna, be awful. It's going to make you. It's going to make you throw up. That. That it really is. Yeah, that's not going to be. That's not going to be pretty. There okay. were a few immediate fatalities um, whose death was put down to the the arsenic bread. But these were these were people who lived in the boarding houses. The the really the down on their luck. Sort of oh. perhaps the Europeans who would come over to make a better life. I'm going to make my find my fortune, mm. and it had not worked out. Um, there again, there was another article. These are the dregs of the foreign population whose powers of resistant resistance had been weakened by abuse of alcohol, or where in ignorance remedies were not applied in season in enough time. Oh, fuck off, whoever's writing this newspaper, so, <laughs> by the way. Well, it says the dregs of the foreign population, so it sounds like it might be a, a, a Chinese Well, newspaper. is it, though? I don't know. Maybe it is a Chinese newspaper, but... From, it like, sounds from the slightly from the other side. Oh, but then again, it just sort of sounds like from the first report that it was probably someone British going, yes, oh, just stupid poor people. Stupid poor people. They're just too drunk and, and stupid yeah, to actually yeah, apply the, the remedies. I was there. I was just taking it as that. I'm, I'm very much playing that the British are bastards yep. in this no, story. We'll, we'll go with that. I mean, being... And the Chinese papers were all going, ha ha. <laughs> These victims are all poor and they probably only eaten scraps of of bread so what they had eaten hadn't been enough to trigger the the violent vomiting of those who were having mounds of toast um slathered with marmalade <laughs> and things when you've, oh God, when you've just got a, you've it, just got a it? crust it's probably just enough arsenic to do you in oh just a little just a just little, little bit and that was, that was it. it just a literally a crust of bread <laughs> sir please did mop up the gin uh, that's why I always have a massive mound of absolutely. toast absolutely big big old pile of toast the poisoning would eventually claim one victim from the opposite end of the social scale there which they were targeting the governor's wife lady bowering eventually governor's succumbed wife. to our poisoning with arsenic in her system but not for many 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 weeks later and was she just nibbling at the toast because she was a governor's wife and she had to stay she pale was she was thin. very i think she was by the sounds of it she was quite a, a frail slight woman probably yeah as you say just mm. had a, a small amount and was taken to her bed and and sort of never <laughs> never really recovered but she was the only they they say the only sort of like person of note who succumbed to this plot everyone else was like oh we're not bothered about them killing them is not gonna make no difference for chinese independence or hong kongish independence no, not really no <laughs> now oh. chung alum is immediately suspected of being the perpetrator of this mass poisoning this is where we got all our bread it's the bread that's done this it must have been him he and his family are detained in macau and sent straight mm. back to hong kong all of the bakery's 52 other employees are arrested wow. and detained. And they are all crammed into a tiny cell that becomes becomes known as the Black Hole of Hong Kong. Oh, Because God. it is such Ooh, that, a... Oh, that doesn't sound nice. No, it is so small and cramped and there are so many of them squeezed into this hole, which is full of Ooh. unpleasantness. The Unsurprisingly, the entire island is gripped by paranoia and the mood turns to absolute fury when the suspects uh, are marched into the police station. Uh, when Chong is taken from the, the docks up to the police station, it takes the governor's personal intervention to prevent a mob from storming this convoy and lynching them but the governor 
he is he is fair and English, and he is an Englishman. He insists that Chong be tried by jury in an open court. Right. There is none of this sort of court martial or ah, just kill him. The Chinese population would see the openness and the fairness of British justice, but but there is no precedent in English law for for dealing with the attempted murder of a whole island. Um, <laughs> that has that's not come up before. No, not a, not a trial. No. They select one victim and say, we will put you on trial for the attempted murder of this one person who will represent the whole of the English establishment. Right. He is eventually charged with administering poison with the intent to kill and murder James Carroll Dempster, colonial surgeon. Oh, right. Um, Mm. So one of the doctors on the island, all their energy is put into proving that they tried to kill him and by extension everyone else so does does it matter if you get tried for one or a hundred the end result is the same okay the prosecution is led by the hong kong attorney general uh, thomas chilsom anstey okay that's a good name the defense given to the accused at chong is led by another couple of brits um william thomas bridges and john day hmm. the trial is presided over by the chief justice john walter hume the jury consists of six europeans all of whom had been poisoned by the, the bread the the easing bakery but by the sounds of it this has all the hallmarks of an absolutely fair unbiased trial <laughs> I mean, the prosecutor's white, the judge is white, the defence is white, the jury is white, and this Chinese man is a, accused of killing, trying to kill all of them. Right. Good. It's, <laughs> so, it's, here's a right to a fair trial. Here's a right to a fair trial. Well, give me the black cap, will you? I'll be needing that later. <laughs> oh, my God. So you, you may have a preconception about how this is going to go. I, I have a feeling I know the direction in which it will tumble towards. <laughs> trial focuses more on Chung's character than the actual mechanics of the, the poisoning. The defence is actually surprisingly thorough. They argue that when Chung is, he is a highly regarded and prosperous member of the community. Um, his wealth, as we've said, comes directly from the people he was accused of plotting against. Why on earth would he be involved in such a amateurish poisoning plot? The prosecution, on the other hand, paint him as a sneaky, underhanded foreigner, um, an agent. <laughs> he's not a of, foreigner. Uh, he lives there. Oh, no, he's a foreigner. He's a, he's a jolly foreigner to the English. <laughs> it's his house. <laughs> he, is, he is an agent of the Chinese oh, for government. God's sake. Um, and he is ideally positioned to sabotage the colony. <laughs> and so they also they point him out to be an absolute bastard in a statement to the court the um attorney general the the pros- who's prosecuting declares that even if chong were innocent it was better to hang the wrong man than confess that british sagacity and activity had failed to discover the real what? criminals what better better hang him than admit we can't figure it out uh, okay yeah i mean I mean, that's ballsy. Absolutely. It's, it's a bold claim to make it. Bloody hell. To, but to say it out loud as well, just like, well, <laughs> he didn't do it. We gotta hang somebody. We gotta hang, we gotta hang someone. But we just polished the rope. Come on. I mean, I'm assuming he's, <laughs> well, he may not be hanged. He might, something else awful might happen to him. But, but don't say it out loud then. Don't put it on record. We don't want anyone to know that we fucked this up. So we want it on record that we fucked this up, but we're still going to hang this guy. It's fine. But he's, ah, uh, but he's trying to convince the, the jury, mm. who are again European, that if we don't convict this man, then 
we will be the laughing stock of international politics. <laughs> we will be the absolute absolute butt of everyone's jokes because these people have tried to kill us, and we can't even prove that. We can't even convict these people who we know. It's, have tried it's to a scapegoat, us. isn't it? Taylor's oldest time still happens today, doesn't it? You know, it's the scapegoat thing of like we need to prosecute someone. We need to show that we've done our job, and that we need to show that justice has been served. So this guy will do. Basically, yep. white well, people, I mean, it's fine. He's not one of us. Let's kill him and blame it all on him because no one will question yeah. that ever. The, the defence come back and say, well, hanging the wrong man will not further the ends of yes, justice. Yes, straight. Good for you, defence people. Good for them. <laughs> the jury come back with a five to one verdict. Mm. Not guilty. Yay! Uh, which it was, which surprised the hell out of me when I read that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God! Th- good because I really thought you were going towards that. Th- this guy were going to die. This guy was going to die, yep. and that's why I was getting so annoyed. But now I'm glad that the jury all went. No, that's horrible. No, yeah, well, well, exactly. And these are these are white men. Well, yeah, men at this time who live there. No one can be that stupid. To hell with what you say about we need to, oh God, we'll look really stupid if we haven't convicted someone. You're in a court of law. You don't just hang people for the fucking sake (laughs) of it. No, that's the point of us being here. Oh, thank God they didn't. Oh, thank God. And this, I mean, this is not well received by the European population on on the island, that this not guilty. But I mean, they know everyone. I mean, it is a fact that the poison bread has come from his bakery. Everyone wants a, again. They want a scapegoat. They want someone to blame. Everyone, exactly. Blame him. So He's he, as good as anyone else. Whatever happened, he let it happen. He he must have been in on it on some level. Whether he was the 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 maestro of the whole thing or a small man who was bullied and mm. beaten into doing it, we 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 do not know. Yeah, but we he don't. Was certainly in. He was certainly involved. But I mean, this not guilty verdict was, although did not go down well in Hong Kong, throughout the rest of the world. It was proclaimed as the a shining example of British justice, huh? of fairness. Right. Well, the, this oh, the, this right. this trial where could quite easily have convicted this man yeah. of this terrible crime, but no, it was done fairly oh. and openly, and he was acquitted because the evidence was not there. So it just goes to show that the the British, while marauding, murdering, taking over people's places, selling drugs to everyone. They're fair <laughs> at the end of it. They're fair when they when at the end of it they do it fairly. They do it they do their trials fairly <laughs> while dealing drugs to kids. <laughs> pretty much that's 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 exactly what it is (laughs) it's a bit like we're awful awful people but still there's always room for a cup of tea and justice at the end exactly (laughs) okay always room for some good old-fashioned justice i mean chong he is set free and he in theory is left to get on with his life Mm. but i mean he is hated by the europeans no one is ever going to buy anything from him again his business is ruined and fairly so, to be perfectly honest. I wouldn't buy bread from him if I know that poison bread had come out of his bakery. I'm not going to go, yeah, okay, fine, I'll give you another chance. Maybe he was a pawn in a much bigger game here. Maybe he was part of it. I mean, you would think that they would find evidence if, if he was, clearly, or not, I don't know. But yeah, he's, he's not going to do well at his bakery business that killed that killed he and, does, and he left does. many people ill. He does not do well. And to be on the safe side, the actual 
for fear, the British authorities actually fear that, well, something is going to happen to this guy and his family. The mob is going to take its own, take justice as they see it into their own hands. He's shipped back to mainland China. Mm. He and his family say, well, you've, you've got to leave for your own safety. But back in the UK, this case is seized upon by a lot of pro-war groups um, in Westminster to support the rather flimsy pretext behind the Second Opium War. They're, they're not getting the access into China that they want. They've got Hong Kong, but they're still being a bit arsy. The, the ships can only go to Hong Kong. They can't go around to Singapore or Beijing, which is also they're on the coast. So we need to expand our influence further. Now we've got a little bit of this pie. We want a hell of a lot yeah. more. So they need to tighten their stranglehold on this Chinese trade. And this incident is a, is a major kickoff to the to the second opium war when the europeans establish uh, they have the uh, the european quarter in mm. um shanghai they establish that and that's a permanent thing there it's when hong kong is officially given for 99 years to the british mm. which is why then in 97 97 it? it was given back to china because they had the lease was 99 years now the exact course of the essing bakery incident is say is still debated some people mm. still believe that chong was part of some widespread chinese nationalist conspiracy carried out on the official instruction of the the core the the emperor in beijing others say that he acted alone out of some grudge against the english um who mm. had invaded in home and we will never know the truth no. that is my third chinese story yeah Oh, we love the Chinese stories, and that I was a the Chinese great stories. Great story. one. That was a brilliant story. Did again a piece of history I did not know about. Yes, we learned many things. We've learned many things. We've learned about the opium wars and all the drugs that we dealt. We've learned Nick can drink a decanter of wine in one episode. <laughs> I do like to picture the idea that, again, at the start of the Second Opium Wars and this being debated back in Parliament uh, in England, that at the time all the MPs were dressed like drug dealers, that they just had hood <laughs> ornaments kind of around their necks and just their, their oh, yeah, top like hats on backwards. Goldfish in their shoes. They, the, the drug dealers yeah. Yeah. Things, yeah. <laughs> They were just, yeah, exactly, wearing a cane and a great, great big, big mink coat. coat. Yeah. Big one. <laughs> they probably were doing yeah. that. They probably did have a big old fur thing going on. Bitches need opium. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great story. Yeah, Bakery Man, it it seems crazy if he was acting alone. Why, you know, why cut, Why kill the golden goose? Well, yeah, well, exactly. I think there must have been now, if it was for ideological reasons, or mm. if you don't do this, we're going to kill your reasons. Who knows? I can't. I can't see he was acting alone. I think that's it seems crazy that you would put your whole business, or if you were kind of behind it, or you were like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's absolutely destroy my livelihood. I mean, who knows if he was paid off or had anything? Clearly, he wasn't. You know, well, well compensated. But yeah, to go for the bread, go for what the English eat. That did not work out well. But, but just imagine if they if they had got that quantity right. Yeah. If, if they then, put more thought into it. If they it. had put more thought, a bit more research, if they had listened to this podcast. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but this is the 1850s. This is this is 1850s, yeah. Yeah, so again, you're only just, the, in Europe, the Marsh Test is only well, is just only, sort of... Yeah, exactly. Just, just sort of happening. Um, and the experiments, again, in, with the dead, not beforehand necessarily. So yeah, we can detect arsenic. We know the quantities and we know what it does. But the understanding of how much arsenic it takes to kill you uh, regardless of other poisons that's only really being explored around this time in europe so news isn't traveling they all know that arsenic and you know everyone knows that arsenic is a deadly deadly poison absolutely i mean i'm sure in china i mean because obviously they were 
in some in many ways hugely advanced um mm, much more mm. so than the europeans at this time and especially i mean they did have some crazy ideas on medicines and things as we as we know but, yes, I mean, arsenic yes. was very a very well-known compound they would have known of its effects so it's probably down to the individual the people who made this plot were just weren't yeah that's fair i think that knowledge was probably around but it was just like the more the merrier just get as much in as possible it's only going to do that makes sense it just the assumption that i'll just tip a shitload in there and it will kill you but then it just has the opposite effect of no no no, you'll purge it the body won't be able to process it you know you've got you've taken in small quantities you have the arsenic eaters of the world who, oh, uh, yes, yes. yes. We'll cover in another episode. They are on my list, indeed. Yes, yeah. they're on my list, too. You can't do them! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, take too much of it and bleh. I mean, what if they had just put half the amount in? Then they probably would have killed hundreds of people. You know, what would that have done? Well, exactly. To... What I mean, that would have, I mean, I imagine at the time, would have elicited an almighty military response Absolutely. from, would have from been Britain. Full-on crisis. Yeah. blown China off the map, yeah. probably. Ooh, chilling, chilling. What so in some happened? ways, it's probably good they didn't. Because otherwise well, it's, it for been... many reasons, it's good they didn't. <laughs> it's, it's, um, as we say, it's good when people don't kill people. <laughs> it would make less of an interesting story. Well, maybe more of an interesting story. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. Um, I mean, the, the world as we know it now would be very different, I feel. Oh, great story, Nick. We love the Chinese stories. Yeah. yeah and it's an area you really like. You need to... Need to, yes, branch it. out. Make a, if we when we get round to writing the poisonous cabinet book, we'll do a little section on China <laughs> in there, and it'll have beautiful is- illustrations all around it. And everything. Of me, oh, of, of Nick pointing. <laughs> here is Nick's lessons of China. China. It's here. Look on the map. <laughs> I just like pointing. I'm saying it's because if we told more China stories on the main episode, for which you've probably used them all now. There aren't that. Yeah, I haven't got that many more. Yeah, but we haven't had a Chinese cocktail yet. This is true. Mm. Are there many Chinese cocktails? I mean, you have drunk many a cocktail well, in I mean, China. You've, there's a particular spirit in China called um, Baijiu, which is the, the it's the Chinese national drink. It is the most vile thing I've ever drunk. <laughs> it is truly, truly horrible. Really? Horrid. But there are a few cocktails about it. But I would not buy a bottle just for a cocktail because no. I know it would never get drunk. It would never get is, drunk again. It is the vilest thing I've ever had. So that makes me think that we need to get some, you know, if we could if we could, if we could find or source a small bottle of Baiju <laughs> and also have those other awful liquors that everyone hates. So the, the infamous Unicum, Unicum from, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good from Hungary, in, in uh, which I have a bottle of still downstairs, still downstairs. It's still there. Well, if anyone's got miniatures or little samples of terrible terrible booze so, <laughs> i'd say send them to us but we should not get people to send us stuff that we drink in the pl- well i don't think it's allowed and also this this show has taught us that suspect <laughs> all things that are sent to you so yeah, I'm, I'm, you send you send stuff to me to drink i'm, I'm not going to drink it all sorry right. <laughs> send us links to where we can find it there we are yes there is that <laughs> oh that's good great story from china little history lesson value for money there oh love it love it love it well thanks for listening guys as ever, tell your friends about the Poisoner's Cabinet. Tell them all about the Patreon episodes that regale you with delights every week. I don't know what that sentence was. They're missing out on so much. People who aren't on Patreon are missing exactly. out on so much. And head over to the merch store if you do need any lovely Poisoner's Cabinet regalia to uh, to dress your house in. There's plenty on there. Go is there, for is it. Is there house stuff? Uh, you can put up a hoodie on the wall if you want. <laughs> 
<laughs> Get a nail a hoodie over your curtains. Just have uh, no pictures yeah. in your house. Stickers, stickers on the windows. <laughs> That's all the decor that you should have. Take down all your pictures. The first time that you allow people around to your house after lockdown, just have them come in. You've got no pictures up and just one poisonous cabinet hoodie badly nailed to the wall. And <laughs> and a picture of my face. <laughs> a picture of Nick pointing at a map of China. <laughs> one, one hand a map of China, the other hand the hoodie. <laughs> Double pointing. <laughs> and if that isn't the start of a great party night and a way to make sure your friends never visit you again, I don't know what else is. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week for more Deadly Nightcaps. But in the meantime, keep drinking, keep talking about poison, and remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.